0: Hello waffle lovers and welcome to another episode of Whatever Flips Your Waffle here on 365SportsCast.com I'm your host, Mark Domeyer, coming to you as always from the bunker deep in the heart of southern Minnesota. We've got plenty to talk about this week but we are going to focus first and foremost on the Minnesota Vikings. I'm glad you've decided to tune in and listen to me talk about Minnesota sports along with a special guest. Welcome to those of you who have tuned in each and every wednesday and also to those of you checking things out for the first time sit back relax prepare yourself for another helping of waffles syrup optional after this brief commercial break i'll be back with my interview for this week i talked to trey wicks of minnesota viking syndicate stick around there's enough bad news in the world Where can you turn for some good news? The NRHEG Star Eagle, of course. Your area newspaper, the Star Eagle, focuses on the events and people that make New Richland, Heartland, Ellendale, and Geneva a great place to live. The NRHEG Star Eagle, your good news newspaper. To subscribe or advertise, contact Eli at 507-463-8112 or email steagle. At HickoryTech.net And as an added bonus, as always, if you subscribe to the NRHEG Star Eagle, you get to read the Waffle Flippers column each and every week. And I don't even talk about sports all the time. Go ahead, call Eli, 507-463-8112 or email him, steagle at HickoryTech.net Joining the program this week on 365sportscast.com, I've got Trey Wicks. He is the host of Minnesota Vikings Syndicate Podcast. You can find that on YouTube, I'm sure some other places. Trey, first of all, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. You bet. Uh, What what led you down this path of becoming a, a podcast host and focusing on the Vikings?
1: Uh, well, actually, during COVID was when I first got the idea, just watching Colin Coward and stuff like that. And I was like, you know, I can do that. Like, I can talk <laughs> about football because I love, you know, the NFL in general. So I started my own uh, show, and it really wasn't taken off until I had a guy that runs the Pittsburgh Steelers Syndicate uh, reach out to me and basically offered me an opportunity to run the Minnesota Vikings Syndicate. And I mean, I really couldn't pass it up, so I <laughs> yeah. decided to roll with it. And uh, it's been a learning process, that's for sure. Like, I'm learning a lot every day and uh, stuff that I had no clue that I had to do uh, for my channel. So they've been helping me out. And right now I think we have four people uh, a part of the syndicate. So Okay. Uh, yeah.
0: That's why I was going to ask. Is this kind of an NFL wider? They're trying to get to that point where every team, they've got a, a syndicate channel.
1: Uh, correct. Yeah, we're trying to, right now it's like, what, Detroit Lions syndicate, Pittsburgh Steelers syndicate, Denver Broncos syndicate, and then obviously the Minnesota Vikings. And, okay. So, yeah.
0: There are people who care about the Detroit Lions?
1: Uh, I, I, <laughs> I, I guess there are, apparently.
0: I, but, shouldn't, I shouldn't say that they beat us last year and probably should have beaten us twice. Yeah, um,
1: unfortunately.
0: Yeah, so uh, again, encourage our listeners to uh, check that out. I found it on YouTube. Are there other places it is, or is that the lone location? Uh,
1: no, only on YouTube.
0: Okay. So. Okay. Yeah, check that out. Minnesota Vikings Syndicate um, and Trey also is a former student of mine, and I, I remember really clearly uh, your passion for the Vikings, even way back in junior high. Back in the day when you had to come into my classroom every day. Um, so no surprise here that you're oh, <laughs> you you're down this path. That's awesome. We're we're gonna talk to Vikings. Um, we're talking here. They they just had their first preseason game, lost to the Raiders out in Las Vegas. Uh, first impressions that, that came to you off of off of that game, Trey?
1: Uh, you know I thought the team looked really promising uh, both offensively and, and defensively. There's some areas we need to work on like the you know the offensive line I think their protection needs to be a lot better in the run game and the pass game. Uh, I just felt like Kellen Munn was trying to scramble a little too much, but <laughs> I think his his pocket presence was definitely pretty solid in my opinion. I thought he was calm, cool, collected, and really just kind of took it all in for for sure. So, and I also thought he played phenomenal, uh, really. So,
0: okay, you know, and I, I saw something partway through the game. Uh, after the Raiders took a lead, I saw something on Twitter where somebody had tweeted out um, that even if the Vikings look fantastic today, it doesn't mean they're going to the Super Bowl, and even if they don't look great, it doesn't mean it's a terrible season. Because you can only take so much out of preseason games.
1: Right, right. Yeah. yeah it's only week one of the preseason, so it's like, I, I like the preseason. A lot of people might not, and they think it's boring and stuff, but it like gives you that opportunity to kind of look at uh, all the rookies that you just drafted, you know, your undrafted free agents, the guys you brought in the off season, and kind of see where the team is at right now. So it's like win or lose, it doesn't really matter. But once the regular season hits, then hey, we better win. Of course, you know? right?
0: Yeah, and, and you know, like you said, there were some promising signs. And as long as you're not getting shut out in the preseason or anything like that, you you show some some different signs. I think that's okay. Uh, you know, you mentioned taking a look at the rookies and and some of them certainly popped out yesterday. Uh, the one that comes to mind first, I'd like you to talk about, running back Ty Chandler. Boy, he came out and was explosive right away, a round five pick for the Vikings.
1: Yeah, he, he played phenomenal, you know, five rushes, 50 yards on the ground. So I mean, that's awesome right there. It's our first down every time he touches the ball. And I think that was when our offensive line actually played their best football and we able to open up those holes for him to just kind of come in there and really do his thing and i think you know he's one of those guys that might be under a lot of people's radars because you know we have dalvin cook and alexander madison uh but with madison's contract coming up this this off season or after the season i think ty chandler could be that one guy that you know steps up and kind of battles it out with uh kenny wongwu or whatever yeah. <laughs> and take over that uh Maybe backup role behind Delvin uh, down the line. So yeah, I always
0: awesome. I always hear Madison's name floated around. You know, there aren't a lot of trades in the NFL, but I hear Madison's name floated as a possible trade, kind of a guy if they want to fill in a need, and if there's a team that maybe needs a, a strong running game because Madison could start on a lot of teams. Right. And uh, and so I, I'm always curious to see if that'll happen. But yeah, you're not drafting Ty Chandler to cut him. You know, you're drafting him that you're thinking down the line he's an important part of this team.
1: Right, yeah, 100%. And, you know, at Madison, too, like, if we end up due trading, I wouldn't be all that upset. Like, Dalvin and Madison are a great one-two punch, and it's really hard to get, you know, two potential or two starting running backs in your lineup. And with the draft capital or, I guess, the trade capital that he brings, uh, it could help, you know, boost our offensive line, which we're looking for. Potentially for a center, I would like a center for the Vikings because I don't think Bradbury <laughs> has what it takes anymore. I just think he's kind of, you know, dwindling away uh, from this offense. But um, yeah, Madison, it, he's one of those guys that it, it's, it's just, when he's on the football field, you think it's Dalvin Cook, and that's a good sign. So, right,
0: right. Yeah. yeah, you always know that he's somebody who's, who's um, a great player because if you play fantasy football and you draft Delvin Cook, you're also drafting Alexander Madison, assuming he can fill in at least part of what Delvin Cook gives you.
1: Yeah, right.
0: Yeah. Um, how about some other, other rookies that, that popped out at you um, with their performances against the Raiders?
1: Um, you know, I thought Jalen Naylor did pretty decent. I mean, two catches for 22 yards. Nothing like spectacular. He got his chance towards the end of the game to really show what he could do and a lot of the talk around him was that he's this fast guy that can go out there and you know really just blow by people. His I guess his he had like the fastest shuttle time uh, in the in the combine, so that's uh, very promising to see. Also, like a kick return wasn't the greatest, but I, I think that's not going to be his job come the regular season. I think that's going to be uh, Amir Smith, marset or, or Ty Chandler. I thought he played uh, pretty solid. Uh, Lewis Seen and Andrew Blue Jr., I really didn't get to see too much of them because it just didn't seem like they had to make that many plays, Uh, but we'll see down the line, maybe week two of the preseason if they play more and stuff. Uh, Brian Asamoah, though. Brian Asamoah, he absolutely lit this guy up on one play, and (laughs) that is what I want to see because he's fighting for a job. I honestly think he could potentially start, not maybe right away in the regular season, but maybe like down the road, like week six, week eight, he can come in there and be uh, for sure a starter right next to Kendricks and Jordan Hicks. So well, I, was I, say, played pretty well. I was gonna
0: say we're strong at linebacker. Uh you know, but this three four defense now changes things up a lot and, uh, and and certainly makes things look a little bit different. But uh, yeah with Kendricks and Hicks and and um, come in there, boy, there's uh there's some really that, that that strength you say, you know, those guys when they make a tackle, you want to hear it. You want to feel the tackle from a linebacker. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, seen and and um, and Booth. You know, the one the one thing that stood out to me when I watched was Booth uh, getting a penalty, uh, getting beat, and and the the uh, Paul Allen commented on. You know, this is learning the speed of the NFL. Is it going to take right. these guys that much time though? to learn the speed uh, both booth and Seen play in some um, pr- pretty competitive conferences
1: you know I I don't think so I think they're gonna be just fine because there's a reason we draft them as high as we did I mean Booth coming out of Clemson he knows what it's uh, what it's about and then you got seen uh, coming out of Georgia just won a national championship so he definitely has that you know dog mentality in in, in himself so I think you know just seeing the week one preseason it was kind of a Let's see where we're at. And week two, they'll definitely be a lot more uh, in tune to what's going on. I think they'll pick up a lot more uh, things from the offense and just be a little bit smarter on defense. That's for sure.
0: Yeah, and it seems like if you're if you're Cam Bynum right now, you're listed as a starter on the depth chart, but you got to be thinking, seeing is breathing down your neck a little bit. You're not drafting a guy in the first round to uh, to not play him. Correct and and I also think you know there's been some indication that um, Kevin O'Connell and Ed Donatello have talked about putting some different combinations in the field even defensively, where you might see um, three safeties out there you might I mean just that they, they could really mix it up and they have the guys they can do that with.
1: yeah, that's really smart honestly because then you can keep people healthy, you can give offenses different looks, which you know causes chaos for them and they're like, oh, what do we do here?" And you know, just gives these guys more of a, a chance to succeed because our secondary has
0: been—it's uh, <laughs> been
1: so bad the last couple of years, and it, we just got to figure out how to get better, how to stay consistent, and just kind of switch it up and, and give the, the offense, you know, different looks and try to stop them uh, from moving down the field and, and putting points on the board. And we really didn't do all that great last night, but or I guess Sunday night, it wasn't that great, but we can we can definitely improve there.
0: Well, and. As I commented to my um, guest last week about the Vikings, I said, you know, if, if we get an average defense this year, because they were not good, if we just jump to average, I think I'm happy and I think we win a lot of football games because the offense is going to score a lot.
1: Oh, yeah, no no doubt, especially with an offensive mind head coach coming over from the Super Bowl winning Rams. And I guess he was like the year Kevin O'Connell was like the mastermind behind all the plays, even though he didn't call them. He was the one who created them. And uh, Justin Jefferson was actually quoted on saying, now I understand why Cooper Cup was open so much. Yeah, right. So our offense should be explosive. We should, able, we should be able to put points on the board. Our defense, like you said, just has to stay average or above average, whatever. Just don't right. be bad. That's yeah. all I ask. Yeah,
0: yeah. We've got Trey Wicks with us. You can catch him on Minnesota Vikings Syndicate um, on YouTube. Check that out. He's got some good, uh, good stuff on there. You know, when we talk defense, too, one of the, uh, what do you want to call it, points of emphasis, clarifications, they made a real point of yesterday, certainly in the Raiders and Vikings game, was the illegal contact downfield. Oh my goodness, if we have to see that many flags this year, or our oh. teams going to adjust to that? That's just, we're feeling it out right now.
1: Yeah, I th- it's going to take some time to adjust to, because uh from what I've always known it's like you can still have that contact at least five, ten yards down the field and just kind of keep your elbow on them and now it's like you can't even touch them you just have to play like just run right with them and that's so hard especially when you're when you're trained or when you grew up knowing that hey you can give this guy a little bump and shove every once in a while until that ball gets thrown in the air then you kind of have to let off
0: right There' yeah.
1: should be a lot of receivers blown by corners this season, I, I have a feeling.
0: Well, and that's what the NFL wants. They want offense. That's why people tune in. Um, but, you know, even like when you played football in high school, you guys could, there was a lot of contact that went on, and officials usually weren't going to throw a flag unless it really impacted the play.
1: Right.
0: Yeah. And that's what I, yeah. I, I look at as an official, too, whether it's, whether it's football, basketball, whatever. I know what the rules are. But if you're not impacting the play, I'm not blowing my whistle, I'm not throwing a flag, but it it looks like the NFL is going to say, well, (laughs) uh, we're going to change that this year. Um,
1: Yeah, they should. I mean, that's how the game should be. Like, if it doesn't impact the play or the outcome of the game, then I I think you should let some things slide. I mean, obviously, there's other ones that you... Should call them. right, right. Just let him play, you know.
0: Well, in a sense, it's a little bit like the NBA. If you watch professional basketball, there's often a hesitation when a guy goes up for a shot, and if he makes the shot, they don't blow the whistle, and if he doesn't make the shot, they do blow the whistle. You know, it's kind of that. Uh,
1: <laughs> like, do I call it or do I not? Yeah,
0: that yeah. that fine line. But I, it certainly seems like uh, we're going to see a few flags, and like you say, with that Viking secondary, the way they look last year, boy, we can't afford for that. So uh feel it out. Hopefully. Um, we'll see that mixture, you know, because, like a Patrick Peterson has come forward and talked about even how excited he is, um you know, new coaches he decided to come back to, and um, that veteran presence with him and Harrison Smith, you know, you think about as they near the end of their careers, you're hoping that a Lewis scene and an Andrew Booth step into their roles,
1: yeah, i was I was pretty excited that we uh, decided to extend Patrick Peterson because. Uh, I knew we were going to go with the corner in this draft. I just knew that was going to be the case, and so I was like, we need to keep this veteran guy around to really show him the ropes so that when he leads, we're set for the next three to five years for sure. And like with Harrison Smith, he's going to be able to teach a Lewis C. his tricks and just give him a little tips here and there for how to, you know, cover certain receivers and what not to do, I guess. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I am I'm, I'm excited for the the veterans to teach these rookies you know and show them the ropes.
0: And that's really what you try to do as a professional team is as your really good players get older you're drafting the replacements and and um they're learning from them and it's a seamless transition is is the hope. Yeah. D- down the yeah, stretch. No, definitely. Yeah. And and in, in theory possibly, you know you touched on Kellen Mond's performance that would be the hope, is that when Kirk Cousins' days are done as a Viking, that Kellen Mond has progressed to the point where he can take over this team. You commented you thought he did a really good job. Did he really clearly jump into the uh, number two role, at least for now?
1: Uh, honestly, yes. I-, I believe that. I've seen you know Sean Manning got the start, and we've seen what Sean has done in the past for the Vikings. It's nothing great, uh, but we drafted Kellen Mond for a reason. I mean, there's obviously... A clear indication that he needs to be the next guy up. Otherwise, we'll have to find someone else in free agency or maybe next year's draft or whatever the case may be. But I feel like he definitely jumped into that uh, that number two quarterback slot because he was the only one to throw touchdowns, and both of them were to Albert Wilson, who was a, a great pickup in the off season uh, for us, kind of a under the radar type of guy. But I thought he performed exceptionally well. He stayed calm, cool, and collected. Uh, I liked his ability to kind of scramble outside the pocket and really um, just make defenders miss and kind of just be in that calm state of mind, like, okay, don't rush it because I think if we would have went back to last preseason, if that same thing would have happened, he probably would have thrown an interception or he would have got sacked. Or So I think he's really learning and stepping up and, and proving a lot of people wrong, especially you know the media that's saying, oh, the Vikings need to go get – uh a free agent quarterback like a cam newton uh, blake Bortles, or someone that's in free agency and i say you know just hold the horses on that i think we might have found a guy
0: well and the hope i mean kirk cousins i'll knock on wood again just like i did last week um is pretty durable usually well he's got covid now so he should be good for the season hopefully (laughs) we'll get we'll get that again uh but he's you. You count on him to be out there every game. We're not in this breakdown mode where oh my gosh he could get hurt and we need somebody that can help carry us into the playoffs. You're counting on Kirk to be there anyway.
1: Right. Yeah. He needs to just stay healthy and win those prime time games. That's
0: what we <laughs> really need him to do. Yeah. I, I just I'd love to see him win 12 games this year. I'd be ecstatic. But um, it, it's and and here's the thing I think about with Kellen Mond a little bit. And tell me if I'm way off base. The NFL these days is so much, you know, you get these, you draft these quarterbacks, and they're out there within a year. And they're out there starting and, and many are performing well. But it wasn't that long ago that you drafted a quarterback, and he was going to sit on the bench for two or three years before he started.
1: Yeah, no, I think that's spot on. A lot of these young quarterbacks, I think they've been molded nowadays in the, in the college offenses to kind of be the next guy. Like, they're trying to Show them that, hey, this is a five-star guy. He's going to come to the NFL, and he's going to wow you and do all this and that. And it works. Sometimes it works. But obviously with the, you know, we got uh, Johnny Manziel. That didn't work out for him. Uh, Tim Tebow. It was, you know, kind of rocky, and it ended up not working for him. So I think the smart thing to do is know what you have. And if you believe he can start week one, if you see that he's NFL ready, then sure, why not? But at the same time, I think letting somebody sit behind a veteran and kind of learning the game—like uh, I hate to bring up the Packers, but like Jordan loves doing with right behind Aaron Rodgers, right? You know, right. just sit, wait, and and learn the ball game instead of going out there and kind of ruining your career uh, per se. So
0: well, that's what Aaron Ro- that's what Aaron Rodgers did behind Brett Favre. You know,
1: yeah.
0: he he may not have been ready. Um, and every every core different. Like you say, if it looks like they're ready in week one, we well, go for it. But that would be much more likely for a team that was really bad. And I'm old enough, of course, to remember Troy Aikman coming into the league, and Peyton, Peyton Manning coming into the league, and they were horrible their first oh, seasons. Yeah. They were bad, but you look where they ended up um, because they were probably ready. They were just on really bad teams at the time. Um, the Vikings are not in that position. They what do they call it? A competitive rebuild this year is that the yes, the term like that yeah where we don't think we're that far away we just need to tweak a few things and and uh we'll be good to go um that's that's our hope here um, both both you and I and everybody listening I would I would hope as well you know that oh, you yeah. you mentioned the the offensive line you know not just the pass protection because that was better And again, I think about when Kirk Cousins is back there, he doesn't need as much time. He's very good at scanning the field quickly and getting rid of the ball um, because he doesn't have the mobility that these other guys do. But I also thought that the run blocking, you know, here's Ty Chandler, and he's a very good athlete, of course, too. But part of that is the line is giving him some holes to run through. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, yeah. the, the offensive line, I mean, we got some guys, and it's so hard to find like really good offensive linemen. It is so like far and few in between. Uh, but we got some guys, and I'm I think the only thing that might be holding us back is the depth uh, at the offensive line position because after the starting crew, we got like some guys in there. Yeah, like uh, Ed Ingram. He seems to be a guy that we just drafted out at LSU. He might even get the start at right guard, but that seems to be Jesse Davis's job. But like Wyatt Davis. He was supposed to be something, and he was with the third team, I believe, yeah. on Sunday night, so that wasn't good to see. Um, Oli Udo, I think, was on there, and he is nothing special, to say the least, uh, but there were some spurts there where you could tell that they were opening up the lines, uh, opening up holes for, for Ty Chandler and Ken A. Wong-woo to run through, and that was definitely a big plus uh, it, to see out
0: there. Yeah, well I, th- I think that Christian Darisaw is going to be the real deal. You know, he got started, he had some injury problems last year. Ezra Cleveland to show that he can do it. We know what Brian O'Neill brings. It really is that center and right guard positions. And uh, if anything's going to sink this offensive ship, it's going to be uh, Garrett Bradbury just getting tossed aside on the pass rush.
1: Yeah, no, uh, Christian Dareshaw is actually drawing comparisons to future Hall of Famer Trent Williams and that is oh, really really good to hear because like I said earlier it's like it's so hard to find a great offensive lineman and if he stays healthy and he's young too, we could have a guy at both our right tackle and left tackle for quite <laughs> some time and that's really nice to see especially when you're trying to build the the presence there, because we haven't had a good offensive line, and I mean, I don't even know—I can't remember it, it, how long it's been. But.
0: Yeah, a long, long time. Probably back when Favre came, and we made the run to the NFC Championship. Um, but even that was iffy at times. Right,
1: because um, yeah, we had Steve Hutchinson, I believe, at that yep, point. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, Ezra Cleveland is one guy too I want to always keep an eye on because we didn't get to see too much from him last year. It seemed like. Uh, but I think year two we're really gonna see his or start to see his presence there on that left side and hopefully open up holes for Dalvin Cook and Madison and, and keep Kirk as healthy as possible and I believe we have to protect his blind side, so that's uh, definitely huge for him to
0: do. And sometimes the best offensive linemen are the ones you don't notice. They're not getting flags thrown on them. You don't see on the replay them getting blown by. Um, I prefer not to see my offensive linemen very much. (laughs) Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. definitely not wrong. Yeah. We've got Trey Wicks with us here on Whatever Flips Your Waffle on 365sportscast.com. He hosts the Minnesota Vikings Syndicate Podcast. You can check that out on YouTube. Uh, Here's a... Here's a let's let's see how smart we are at the end of the season. Um if I say Jordan Hicks and Zadarius Smith, two free agent pickups on the defense, which one's gonna have a stronger impact on this team this year?
1: Um, I, I gotta go with Zadarius Smith. I just think what he brings to that defense is something special, especially when uh Daniel Hunter's been had multiple injury problems over the past couple of seasons. And I think Zedarius, with him coming over, that's going to take a lot of the pressure off Daniil. And uh, it also helps with, I guess, like offensive or defense coordinator, Ed Donatello was actually moving Daniil Hunter to that outside linebacker role, right. and kind of putting him on the same side as Zadarius Smith. So I think that's going to help in a lot of keeping Daniil as healthy as possible. And, I mean, when you got those two on the edge, you got Zedarius Smith and Hunter... And then you look at the D tackles with the Harrison Phillips and the Dalvin Tomlinson. Like It's going to be so hard to run the ball against us, and it's going to cause chaos in that backfield. The quarterback's going to try to make sure he knows where Zadarius and Daniil are at the same time. But, yeah, I have to go with Zadarius on there, for okay. sure.
0: Okay, okay. I had picked Jordan Hicks as my um, under-the-radar signing of the year. Uh, of course, I did that with the twins with Joe Smith, and he doesn't even play with the team anymore. So that shows how smart I am. Uh, <laughs> I, I agree with you, though, and I, that's my hope is is that Smith stays healthy as well. And I just have a feeling that week one, he's pinning his ears back and going after Aaron Rodgers, and uh, he can make the difference in the Vikings winning their home opener.
1: Oh yeah, one hundred percent. He's going to go. He's going to go one hundred and ten percent. He's going to make Aaron Rodgers. Hopefully lose his mind back
0: there. I
1: cannot wait to see it. It's, I think he's going to at
0: least get two sacks. That's what I'm hoping. Yeah to, at least. And, and you know, I, I, you talked about being able to stop the run because that was a big problem last year was stopping a guy at the point of contact, you know, and the, the yak yardage they talk about the, the yards after catch, the yards after contact. Um, we weren't very good at that, and that's where hopefully that improvement with this change to the defense comes first..
1: Yeah, I hope so cuz that made me so upset last year cuz I noticed and it has, actually wasn't only last year it was the year after that and uh you could tell that every single time a Viking tried to make a tackle they were punching at the ball they were trying to rip the ball out they weren't worried about taking him to the ground and that really just kind of didn't sit well with me because yes fumbles are cool they're nice yeah. they're nice to have especially if they go our way but Let's try to limit the amount of first downs this team gets. Let's try to keep them from moving and marching down the field at such an easy uh, pace. So I think we just have to realize that just go out there, tackle them. If the football comes out, the football comes out. Yeah. Like, don't always just try to go and punch at the ball uh,
0: 24-7. Yeah. Well, like you say, turnovers are are awesome, but three and outs are too because then you get right. the ball back. And, um, and we've got some returners that can do some exciting things. Uh, you know, uh, Wong Wu, Smith-Marset these are guys, and, and you never know, um, you know Ty Chandler or Jalen Naylor um, these guys could break it at any time Wong Wu, I don't know why anybody would kick to him after last year if he's back there
1: Yeah, he was he was definitely surprising to see uh, last year I'm not sure if he's going to have that same role uh, because we didn't even see him take a kick return right. or a punt return last night, or Sunday night and that was Ty Chandler, Ty Chandler actually one kick return, 56 yards. Like, yep. That was awesome to see. And Amir Smith-Marset started the game off with a massive run, too, probably 50-some yards. But obviously with the penalty, it brought it back, so that didn't help. But, yeah, yeah. I think kick returns going to be nice.
0: Well, and, and I know you talked about this on your podcast, too. You know, Greg Joseph, we finally seem kind of solid at place kicker a little bit. But he was doing that, that kind of short. Is this just an experiment, that little three-step run up on the kickoffs? Um, and still booming it most of the time, or is there anything yeah. to that? I don't know. It seemed weird.
1: Yeah, I think it, I think they mentioned that too during the game, where they were kind of wondering what he was doing. But it, with his leg power, it didn't seem to matter too much. I think he's just testing it out and maybe try to limit the 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 what is it called like the offsides or whatever on the kickoff oh, right. and just yeah try to boot it downfield, especially if he has the power to do so why not i guess just make it quicker and maybe he can be more accurate with it and he can kind of pinpoint where he needs to to put the ball yeah. i think that's kind of what he was doing
0: well and there are times and you'll see all teams do this in the nfl where they do that little pop up kick and they really want the guy to catch it at like inside the 5 yard line and they'll assume that their team is going to get down there to cover because you can really set them deep in their in their territory if you can do that and maybe that's better done with that style of kickoff too um,
1: yeah, right. Yeah, I think, uh, too, when you do that, when you put him in the five-yard line, you almost have that, a better chance to keep him from getting to like the 25 if they were to get a touchback. So I think that the field position battle, I think, is another thing, right. the reason why he was doing that.
0: Yeah. We've got uh, Trey Wicks with us on here on the program. We're talking Vikings. It's exciting here to be talking about even the preseason. Um, a lot of hope for this team. You know, when you look at their schedule, Trey, um, it's not the easiest schedule in the world. Um, I've got them realistically at 10 or 11 wins. Uh, what's your thought when you look at it um, from from your standpoint?
1: Yeah, so I actually have them going 11 and six. Worst case scenario, 10 and seven. Uh, I think we're going to start the season off really strong uh, until we go to London. I think we're going to we're going to lose the Saints in London. I just for some odd reason, that game just doesn't sit well with me. Okay. Um, but then, obviously, we got what Miami in Week Six, right before the bye. I think was what yes. they were able yep. to do this season, and getting all those transactions, or with Tyreek Hill and yeah, all of the above, I don't think we're gonna win that one. Uh, probably gonna lose to Arizona and Buffalo as well. But I also have us, I guess, splitting with Detroit and Green Bay. Okay. Which Detroit is? I don't know if you watched their hard knocks, but I got to see that and. They're building something special over there, and I don't—I don't want to admit it, but I mean, <laughs> I, I, their coach, Motor City Dan Campbell, is—he's something special. I like to see what he can do with that team, but we always seem to split with them, so that's kind of a reason why I have that. Um, but I think there's. And this ain't a, a tough schedule by any means. Like, at all.
0: Well, and I, I want to go to the Lions, because I agree with you, and people kind of roll their eyes sometimes, but I think Dan Campbell's the right man for that situation. And not that I want the Lions to do well. Of course, they're in our division. But they've been bad for so long, and he, you could see last year, they should have won a lot more games. I mean, they had a lot of fluke losses. They should have swept the Vikings. They lost to Baltimore on a bad official's call, and then a 60-something-yard field goal. You know... Uh, this is a better team, and, and if they take steps, uh, if Jared Goff is better, and Amon St. Ra- I can't even say his whole name, uh, he carried my fantasy team at the end of the season last year. Amon St. Brown, Ra- Ra- yeah, all those names put together. Um, these guys, they could be scary in the division.
1: Yeah, no, I think they show a lot of promise, because Dan, he's, he just seems to... To care so much about that team, like he's crying when he's talking to him. He just seems so passionate, like cares for his players. And last last year, just you know, didn't work out the greatest. But I think he he needs to be the Detroit Lions coach for at least the next ten years. He, win or lose, I think he's the right man for the job. And it's gonna be tough to play them because you never know what you're gonna get. Like they're gonna be either really good or they're gonna be really bad. And they were like that with Matthew Stafford. It felt like for quite some time yeah. with calvin johnson over there so right right he got the right man over there
0: what's it going to take to dethrone the green bay packers as a central division champion
1: uh, you know just be consistent i think we got to be really consistent both offensively and defensively we got to stop letting up those 40 yard bombs so our secondary <laughs> has to play really well penalties we have to keep the penalties away um, and the game, most games are one of the trenches, so that, that also has to fall back our offensive line. I think they have to be, you know, stern. They have to just be a brick wall ba- basically, protect Kirk, and just stay as healthy as possible and be consistent.
0: If we're gonna, if we're gonna win the central, do we have to sweep the Packers to do that? I mean, is that the the best route to get there? I think it'd be the. Best allowed to
1: get there, but I think I don't necessarily think we have to. Okay. I think if we just continue to, you know, win the games that we should win, I think Green Bay might lose a few more this year, especially without Devontae Adams. So, well, and that's think, the
0: yeah. that's the key. Who steps into? I mean, who's Aaron Rodgers throwing to? Alan Lazard? Um There, you know, the the guy they drafted, whose name eludes me right now. He's been hurt. He hasn't been in camp as much. Um, and you got to develop rapport with Aaron Rodgers. That's for sure.
1: Yeah, and uh, what they got? Uh, yeah, so Alan Lazard I think is going to be their one, and then you look at I think Sammy Watkins is oh, be yeah. their number two. Yeah. And who knows how good he's going to be? He's been kind of, meh the last couple seasons. And then you got uh Christian Watson. That's who. There it was you from, go. Yep. Uh, NDSU. He just actually got activated off the the pup list, so I'm excited to see what they can do with that. I'm sure Aaron Rodgers is going to be just fine with those receivers. He always seems to have been just fine. Uh, but tight end wise, Robert Tunyon's okay. He's nothing super special. Yeah. But I mean, when you got a quarterback like Aaron, it's it's going to be tough to kind of see what happens over there.
0: Right, and they've really got two solid running backs too, and that's where, as we talked about, the Vikings' run defense has to step up. They're going to have to when they play the Packers in Week One because I think Rodgers is still going to be developing with his receivers, and you're going to see a lot of running out of the Green Bay Packers at US Bank.
1: Oh, yeah, no, 100%. Like, week one, it's going to be we're going to run the ball as much as we can because we have two guys that know the they know the playbook in and out, and our wide receivers are still trying to learn. We're still trying to build that chemistry. And, you know, I think that's where obviously our defensive line comes in handy when you got Zedarius, Daniil, Harrison Phillips, Dalvin, uh, Tomlinson, and the other linebackers, you know, Eric Kendricks, Jordan Hicks, just fill in those, fill in those gaps and, and, you know, I guess just – Making tackles. Making yeah. tackles. Yeah.
0: You know, I and I had pulled up their schedule here. When you look at the end of the season and you say, boy, if we have to win some games, um, at the end of the season, you play the Jets at home, and that should be a win. You play at Detroit, that could be tough because, you know, we both talked about a split. You play the Colts at home, the Colts I think are going to be a good team. But then the Giants at home, at Green Bay, at Chicago— That's a tough way to end the season, two road games in your division in January.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that is very tough. I think if in order for us to kinda make sure we're okay or win the division or make a playoff spot, I think it has to start week eleven against Dallas. I think we have to we have to beat Dallas, we have to beat New England. And obviously I think we're gonna beat the Jets. It's just, you know, the Jets are the Jets. Right. Yeah. And that's where, you know, like when we go to Detroit it's gonna be a little tougher because I have them losing that ball game, especially in Ford Field. It's going to be a tough one. We could still win it, obviously. Right, it. Like, it's right. A, definitely a big chance there. But when you go to back home to play Indy, we got to win that one. We got to beat the Giants, and then you know, the last two games. I think if we do all that, it, win or lose, we should be fine.
0: Yeah, hopefully. I, you know, some of these games, and you and I are on the same page with a lot of this. I look at like it'd be hard to win at Buffalo. Um, in November, that'd be a tough game because Buffalo's picked by many to go to the Super Bowl. But if you if you're playing well and all of a sudden you go to be a really to win the division, I think you have to win one or two games that nobody expects you to win. And the Bills right. might be. I, I really think if I had to b- bet money on a game, they absolutely won't win. It'll be at Buffalo, but <laughs> they could be playing really well at that point in time, and uh, and that could kind of be their. I look at that point in the season. If you're playing well and you go on the road and win at Buffalo, um, people are going to sit up and notice a little bit and say, "Oh, well, maybe here's the deal." Yeah, yeah. Um, What you're probably as excited as I am about this new coaching staff. It's just we keep hearing breath of fresh air, um, whole change in demeanor and attitude, and that's always going to be the case. You're never hiring somebody who's just like the old coach right you're not you're you bringing in a defensive minded coach here a guy who'd been around for a long long time you're bringing in a young guy in Kevin O'Connell and and he's surrounding himself with people who are smart and experienced and he just helped win a Super Bowl yeah
1: yeah I'm I'm excited about this coaching staff like uh, going into the offseason when I knew Zimmer was not going to be the guy anymore uh, and Spielman I I just knew I was like we need we need an offensive minded guy like I I we've had the defensive minded guy, our defenses have been okay, but the past couple seasons, our secondary hasn't been that great. So, let's get an offensive minded head coach, let's give the defense coordinator the job of focusing solely on the defense and not having the head coach focus on that and right. focusing on the whole team because I think that could be a recipe for disaster at some points. And when we hired Kevin O'Connell. Uh, I actually, I think it was, I wanted Byron Leftwich at first. But once I seen that we were going to uh, get Kevin O'Connell, I was like, okay, perfect. And then we start hearing, oh, he was the guy who created all the plays for the Rams. And the Rams were very, very successful. They win the Super Bowl. And he wasn't calling a place, But now he gets a chance to call his plays and work one-on-one with uh, Wes Phillips, our offensive coordinator, and who also came over from the Rams. Right. So we have a lot of, you know, good our high-caliber coaches that just got done winning a Super Bowl and knowing what it's like to get to the top of the mountain.
0: And even to me, even though O'Connell didn't call the plays, like you say, he helped design them, and he's listening to the plays being called, and he's probably in his head thinking what he would call at the same time. I mean, anybody would. We sit at home sometimes and think, well, this is what I would run here. Um, So I'm not as concerned about that. And like you mentioned, not having the defensive coordinator as your head coach I felt like sometimes Zimmer just, he wasn't in tune, you have to be an offensive-minded team in the NFL these days, and and having a good defense is important to win it all, but at the same time, you need to let other people do that job. My hope, too, is that if O'Connell realizes that calling plays is interfering with his ability to be the head coach, he would back off from that, too.
1: Yeah, I think if there's any sign of that, I think Kirk will let him know because they worked together in uh, Washington when O'Connell was his quarterback's coach. And so I think they have that chemistry and know that if it starts going down that path to give it to, to Wes Phillips and let him call it and just have Kevin O'Connell kind of sit back, listen, and kind of watch and, and pick up different things. And maybe down in the future, if he wants to do it again, he can. But I think you just got to kind of weigh your options. And if it's not working out, change it, you know.
0: Right. Don't have too big an ego when it comes to that. Um, yeah. Kind of figured out along the way. Well, Trey Wicks, thanks for joining us this week. Uh, again, check him out, Minnesota Viking Syndicate on YouTube. Uh, he's got some great stuff on there, um, um, some different areas that we've hit on here today, and a lot of other good information. Uh, Trey, I'm sure we'll talk again down the road.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure doing this.
0: Absolutely. And now it's time for the state of Minnesota sports. We'll start off this week. Uh, We spent plenty of time on the Vikings with Trey, and uh, the only thing to remind you of is that they have their second preseason game of the season this Saturday at 6 o'clock against the San Francisco 49ers. That's at U.S. Bank Stadium. So it'll be interesting to see progressions. We'll see if any of the skill players play a little bit, though I would guess most of them will be out Uh, Maybe a little bit in the last preseason game, but uh, probably not as they try to keep them healthy. We had some hopes for the Lynx. We had Lucas Seehofer on here uh, a few weeks ago, and he talked about their chances being difficult, and and certainly they were. They beat the teams. They had to down the stretch, but couldn't beat those really good teams in the WNBA and finish a game out of a playoff spot. Though, you know, when 8 out of 12 teams make the playoffs and you have – three of them that are under 500, I don't know, that's that's tough. Again, last year, we, as we said before, the Chicago Sky uh, got hot at the right time, not having a great record going into the playoffs and won it all. Um, that's it for Sylvia Fowles. She had a tremendous career of women's basketball. Hats off to her and best of luck. I understand she wants to go and be a mortician now, so that would be an interesting uh, occupation to go to after playing professional basketball, but She is clearly a woman of many talents. Cheryl Reeve, the coach of the Lynx, uh, has said that they're going to have to toughen up for next year. Certainly a lot of injury problems and absences for various reasons. Um, But that is the first time that the Lynx have not made the playoffs since 2010. A tremendous run indeed. And hopefully they'll be able to get back there again next year. We haven't talked about gopher football at all. You realize that the Gophers are going to start playing football again here pretty soon. You know they had a good season last year, had you know dropped some games that gave would have given them an opportunity to play in the Big Ten Championship, uh, but hopes are high. And when you look at the prognosticators, the people who know a lot more than I do, a lot of them are saying uh, it's going to be very similar to last year. The Gophers, the Wisconsin Badgers, the Iowa Hawkeyes, all in the running for the Big Ten West. And, you know, the thought too of in the future here, you're going to add UCLA, USC to the Big Ten, how that's going to change things up. Uh, and as I spoke to Brandon Wayne recently, uh, he's a huge Gopher fan here in the NRHEG area. He's, uh, he was talking about the opportunity to finally play in the Rose Bowl, uh, even though it might be a regular season game. Did you know that it's been 55 years since your Minnesota Golden Gophers? won a Big Ten title in football, and they actually shared it. It was a three-way tie that year, and the Gophers had been to the Rose Bowl more recently than one of the other two teams, and they did not get to go. Uh, so it, it's been a long time. Hopes are high with P.J. Fleck. Uh, you know, and they have the beginning of the season. They, they start September 1st, and they play New Mexico State. Um, they also play Western Illinois. They'll, they'll play two games before the Vikings play because uh, their second game is... September tenth, uh, there there one non-conference game that might be you know something to to uh, pay attention to is when the Colorado Buffaloes come to town, you know a, a power conference school there uh, before they begin Big Ten play. Um, but again, it's all going to come down to how do you perform against the best teams, how do you get down to the end of the year and play Iowa at home, and then head over to Camp Randall Stadium. At uh, in Madison and uh, play the Badgers to end the season. Um, hopes are high for the, the Gophers, but at some point they've got to break through and not just be happy to make it to um, a bigger bowl game, but actually win the Big Ten West and have a chance to play in the Big Ten Championship. Now, can you beat an Ohio State or a Michigan, the teams that are perennially picked to be there? You never know. That's why they play the game so we'll pay a little bit more attention to the gophers Uh, for those of you that might have been wondering when in the world is he going to talk about that team i'm not a great college football mind um i do pay close enough attention to understand just what the heck is going on there um and enjoy uh some of the things that they do um in their in their program there so uh you know, the NBA and the NHL are kind of on the outskirts right now. Um, training camps we'll, we'll be looking at um, in the near future. The NBA is is uh, announcing, as you're listening to this, they've released their, their schedule and everybody's all a quiver. They talked about their Christmas Day games. The Wolves did not make one of those. Um, one would have thought, boy, that would be a good chance for the Wolves and the Memphis Grizzlies to play um, after their tremendous playoff series last year or maybe that'd be a great chance for the Wolves and the Utah Jazz to play and see Rudy Gobert uh, go against his former team but um, the Wolves are not quite at that state yet Um, I believe the Grizzlies are playing the Golden State Warriors on Christmas Day Um, so we'll we'll see as we get closer to that and again the Wild as well will be marching down that path very soon and so when they are we'll be paying attention and bring that to you as well. Well, the Minnesota Twins have fallen out of first place. And, um, you know, the Cleveland Guardians apparently are the real deal. They had been building for, you know, in the future, but here they are in first place. um, And and it's not surprising. And the world is ending to a lot of people. Uh, Nick Nelson, who was on the program a while back from Twins Daily, was tweeting about the the twins, and he's not worried yet. Um, he's still got confidence in this team, uh, and I do too. I think that the, the the stretch they're in right now has really, really been difficult. Um, they have they've had all the wrong people hurt and cold and both sometimes. But they play the Cleveland Guardians and they play the Chicago White Sox a lot in September at the very end of the season, and that's where I think that they're going to. Um, Reclaim the division title. I tweeted this back to Nick and said, my prediction is they will not be back in first place until September when they're playing those teams again. And I really think the way this is going, we're going to be looking at the end of the season, going right down to the wire uh, for the Minnesota Twins to try to win this division. And it, it's it's tough, you know. I keep reminding myself the Twins were not expected to be where they are right now and yet here they are. But it very well could come down to a three-game series in the Windy City to finish the season off um, in October in order to try to win this division because I don't think the White Sox are going away either. It's not a great division, um, but, but here we are. You take what you get, and uh, again, you go back to 87 when the Twins didn't necessarily win a lot of games in the regular season, uh, weren't great. And uh, But neither was the Western Division that year, and they won and took care of Detroit and took care of uh, the St. Louis Cardinals. So make the dance. You never know what's going to happen. The Twins won Monday night. It was difficult at the beginning to listen to. Joe Ryan went out, gave up a tremendous first-inning home run, and the Twins fall behind early. And it seems like a lot lately when they fall behind, there's no way they're coming back. Um, but they pecked away. And beat a team they should beat. And by the time you listen to this, they'll have finished off their um, series against the Kansas City Royals. A lot of people are saying, "Well, yeah, sweep the Royals. You have to." But every time we play Kansas City, it doesn't matter that they're 20 games under 500. They play us well, and um, you know, the good thing is hopefully our pitching can emerge a little bit. But you know. Even in Monday night's game in the ninth inning, here comes Jorge Lopez. He's going to be the savior, but he hasn't missed a lot of bats since he came to the Twins, and um, he's blown a couple of saves already. He made it interesting on Monday night um, before a really nice double play end of the game uh, for for the Twins win, but. There was some concern as I read. Everybody's very excited, and so was I when when the Twins picked him up at the trade deadline. Is there going to be some regression? He'd never had a season like he'd been having. And did the Baltimore Orioles manage to uh, get rid of him while his value was high? Because we gave him some good prospects um, for Lopez. But I don't think it's time to hit the panic button. Some of this could be a little bit of a, you know, as you're reacting to the change and adjusting a little bit. Uh, Michael Fulmer, too, who got traded over to the Twins from the Detroit Tigers for the bullpen. He's been hit a little bit. It's just it's just tough. You know, last week I said, and I say this a lot, if they could have split with the Dodgers and won two out of three from the Angels, that would have been a pretty good road trip. Um, geez, I would have taken two wins. They, they kicked away a game last Saturday at the Angels. Um, the Dodgers are who they are. But here you are again in those winnable games now where you're talking about... The Kansas City Royals, the Texas Rangers come to town um, having fired their manager earlier this week. They're on the decline. Um, and these are the games you want to win because then, guess what? Then you head to Houston. That's who they'll be playing when next we uh, talk here on the program. And um, and then you play teams like San Francisco and Boston, who are kind of on the peripheral, who are on the fringes a little bit um, of whether or not they're still in the playoff race. So, there's a lot here for the Twins that they have to kind of clean up and take care of. A good sign earlier this week was Max Kepler finally got some hits. He still plays good defense, and and a lot of times that's what kind of carries things through. But when everybody is slumping, um, Miranda hadn't had an RBI in a week until Monday night. You know these types of of difficulties, and Rocco has tried to switch the lineup up a little bit and change some things around. Um, but it's difficult when you have all these guys who just they can't hit left-handed pitching. And who would have thought? We we're excited about all these pitchers we got at the trade deadline, and yet it's our hitting that has not come through. And that's something that maybe needs to be looked at and addressed. You have a bunch of guys who are kind of on the borderline. They can be great for a stretch of time, but we need the consistency. We need somebody who's out there day in and day out, the Louisa Rises of the world, who's very consistent But we need three or four more of those guys. We can't just have this, well, now everybody's hot for a couple games, and then they're not. Um, That's difficult, but we'll keep an eye on that. Hopefully, again, that the Twins have had a great success against the Kansas City Royals by the time you listen to this. And that's the state of Minnesota sports. And now it's time for this week in Minnesota sports history. On August 17th in 1999, Jesse Orozco set a Major League Baseball record by pitching in his 1,072nd game in an 8-3 Baltimore win over the Twins at Camden Yards. Orozco was originally a Twins draft pick years and years before that, and he ended up um, pitching for the Twins briefly at the end of his career. On August 17th, in 2010, Jim Tomei hit the first ever walk off home run at Target Field as the Twins beat the White Sox 7 6. It was Tomei's 12th career walk off home run, tying a Major League Baseball record. On August 18th, in 1966, the Twins turned their first ever triple play in a 6 2 win over the Angels 5 4 3. In 1986, on August 18th, Tom Seaver won the final game of his career, win number 311, in a 3-1 victory by the Red Sox at the Metrodome. In 2020, on August 18th, Kenta Maeda set a new Twins record by striking out eight straight Milwaukee Brewers at Target Field. He took a no-hitter into the eighth. I believe it was eight and a third innings of no-hit ball before they got a, a hit. And uh, the Twins ultimately, though, had to win in 12 innings, four to three, since Taylor Rogers fell apart when he came in in relief. On August 19th, in 2007, a game I remember watching on TV, Johan Santana set a Twins record with 17 strikeouts in a one-to-nothing win over Texas at the Metrodome. I remember a lot of speculation on TV how long they would keep him in there, as pitch count was getting up there pretty high and uh, they were hoping he would set that record, and he did. In 2013, on August 19th, Joe Maurer caught his last game for the Twins before moving to first base. Twins lost to the Mets 6-1, to but uh, he had suffered a concussion, and um, that was the right move to make at that point in his career. He developed into um, a pretty good first baseman as well. Not Ken Herbeck-like, but then again, nobody was. On August 20th, in 2019 a squirrel appeared at Target Field for the second straight night, even ran between Max Kepler's legs when he was out there. Uh, The Twins beat the White Sox 14-4, and the rally squirrel was born. On August 21st in 1965, the Beatles played a concert at Met Stadium that only 25,000 people attended. Think about that. Met Stadium held 60-some-thousand people, I think, 25,000 people showed up to listen to the Beatles. Poor sound system. There's a lot of screaming, of course, and apparently that made it very hard to hear. I saw um, on John Swole's site, TwinStrivia.com, where I get a lot of this information from, uh, a picture of a ticket, an expensive ticket from that day, $5.50. A lot different than apparently the Bruce Springsteen's tickets that you have to get for about $2,500 these days. Um, And I like Bruce Springsteen, but if I had to pick, I probably would pick to see the Beatles in concert. On August 21st in 1997, the Twins got Joe Mays from the Seattle Mariners for Roberto Kelly. Mays kind of had an up-and-down pitching career for the Twins, um, but at the time, they were out of contention and got somebody who would hopefully pitch for them in the future, and he did. On August 22nd in 1959, here's your non-baseball note for the week, the American Football League met and formed as a league in Dallas with Minneapolis St. Paul as a charter member and of course this was partly as i recall a ploy and a push so that the Vikings could get an NFL team and uh, of course they would in 1961 with our Vikings uh, but they were originally going to be part of the AFL and what a different world that would have been on August 23rd in 1966 the Twins got their 500th victory as a team in a 4 to nothing win In Washington, of all places, that would be apropos since they came from Washington in the first place. On August 23rd in 2005, the Twins beat the White Sox at the Dome on a Jacques Jones home run, which was the only hit of the game for the Twins. That was only the second time in team history that that happened. For our local listeners in the Richland, Heartland, Ellendale, Geneva area, I mentioned last week that fall sports practices were beginning this past Monday they started. It's beautiful weather out um, for football, certainly, to be outside and not overheat or anything like that. Um, there's no, There are no games next week quite yet. I'm sure there are some scrimmages and so on. Um, I have a feeling I haven't looked that closely, but on next week's program I'll be able to start listing the first actual competitions that our teams will do. It's very exciting. I woke up from a dream announcing a high school sporting event, and I knew that that must mean that it is almost time to watch our high schoolers perform once again. Well, that will do it for another helping of waffles here at 365sportscast.com. I'm glad you decided to spend an hour with me. I hope you'll continue to tune in each week right here at 8 Eastern, 7 Central on Wednesdays. If you can't catch the original broadcast, each week's episode will replay every evening at 365sportscast.com at that same time. Shows also archived to Spotify and YouTube. You can check things out there. You can check out some of our past episodes. We've had some great guests on here who are much more knowledgeable than I am. Remember, if you have some thoughts, if you think you might make for a good interview, especially as we approach the Vikings season, email me, waffleflipper22 at gmail.com, or message me on Twitter at MrD1973. Next week, we'll be back with more about Minnesota sports. Will the Twins be able to claw their way back into the division lead? What will the Vikings look like after week two of their preseason? Come on back and find out. I'll have another special guest to delve into all that and more. Thanks again for joining me. This is Mark Domeyer signing off with Syrup.